hello 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 beautiful people and we're back it is the perfect night what i call to record because baby it is raining outside i got my patio door open it's feeling real erica badu ish and if you don't know nothing about black women black women love a vibe (laughs) and i always say rain is a vibe and mostly because I sleep better. But rain is very common for an emotional person. And it's so crazy because I always laugh when it comes down to like feeling your feelings. And one of the biggest feelings I'm always in is <laughs> what I consider my golden rule, right? And you gonna take it personal, and you can do what you wanna do, because again, y'all motherfuckers is grown. Welcome to the Mommy Files of a New Black Mom, and this is my views on everything. So if you haven't been listening, you know, welcome to the shit show. <laughs> welcome to the good time. Welcome to your bestie's house. And if you are, you know, a continual listener, I appreciate you. Because I'm inconsistent as us, I'm busy as hell, and I sometimes fall into a deep hole of depression. And it ain't really deep, but it's definitely enough for me to get my feet wet. This week, I want to more or less talk about don't fall into the hole of getting back with your baby baby father, baby mother, right? And the reason I call it a hole is because it's one of those situations where I, I don't say... How can I say? I don't want you not to be happy. And if y'all really work it out, I'm grateful and blessed, you know, that someone else is making it. But don't fall into the comfortable trap, right? Don't fall into that hole of comfortableness where you stop being with a person, right? And you decide you don't really want to add any more numbers to your list. So you go back to fucking your baby father. One, I'll tell you this. That's a bad decision. And the reason I say it's a bad decision, especially if you did like what I did after I broke up, leave, separate, move out into a new space. Basically, all you did was waste your money. The point of moving, jumping, and leaving was to get back in your own space, in your own separation. As soon as you invite them back in your space, and your space being in like your personal bubble, whether you're living at your parents' house, you move into a hotel, you decide to get your own spot, you've now made your own space. So once you invite them back, they feel automatically entitled to keep coming back, if that makes sense. And I always used to say this to my homegirl, because she was like, you know, my grandfather fell on hard times. I said, girl, if you left him, you left him for a reason. Don't let life's guilt or his guilt make you feel bad about the decision you made. And she was like, you think that's what it is? Oh, I said, baby, I know that's what it is. The issue is, Naturally, as women, we, I would say you go through this dry spell when you're going through a breakup, and the dry spell being one of two things. Either y'all stop talking altogether, or y'all just stop fucking altogether. But it's always this weird, awkward stage right when y'all break up, where it's like, those maybe month or two before y'all officially broke up and left each other, and y'all decided how y'all were going to, you know, separate, you know, for you, you go through this, like, kind of recollection of thoughts. And it's so crazy because I looked back and I was like, me and my ex didn't have sex for a while. And that was a part of like going through postpartum with my daughter and then kind of feeling really un- unsexy, a little unbeautiful, a little ugh, tarnished. And I put on weight. And 
my weight is a touchy subject, but having a person bring up your weight that you love, care about, and still find them sexually attractive, no matter good, bad, weight, or indifferent, and then the first thing they bring up is the weight you gained, how much you look different, you're not who I was when we, you know, first met, and they're already going through a dark, you know, time, does not help the situation, right? And to me, in my feelings, it added to us not having intimacy at all, right? And a lot of people are like, well, that's an easy way to blame it. But it's, it's, women are very emotional, especially after having children. I realized how much my emotions turned up and my feelings were on a thousand. And I was always like, not necessarily sad, but my feelings were a little bit more on my shoulder than they used to be. And we went through a phase of like, you know, the beginning of honeymoon where y'all fucking every day to like, whatever life brings you down, you do it to like three or four times a week. Then it turns to like two times a week. Then it turns into like once a week, same time, same place, see you next week kind of situation to like random times y'all have sex in a month. And one of the things that really, I, I would say, solidified us breaking up was us not being intimate, no kissing, no hugging, no holding hands, no no nothing. And then it was like, you know, once we broke up and I moved out, I kind of realized I missed the intimacy, even though I wasn't getting it, I would say probably closer to four or five months, if not, you know? And the times we were intimate, he kind of made me feel guilty. Like, oh, you, you thought I wanted sex? Is that why you gave it to me? And I was like, wow. You know what I mean? Like, oh. But I was like, you know... To me, it's kind of like when you give your kids a reward. Sex is a reward. Sex is a reward for both of you. But sex is really a reward in in my mindset as a woman. And when I feel good, I want to make sure you feel good. And when I feel beautiful, you're going to see me feeling beautiful. You're going to see me dressed up sexy. You're going to see me feeling my best, looking my best. And as things went downhill, my, my reflection of it was definitely more covered, less less of my beautiful side and more of a very much covered kind of closed off side and the crazy part about it I always say you know when you break up and y'all leave spaces the worst thing women do is go back to being intimate with the next because now y'all in separate spaces so you kind of go back into this weird not quite honeymoon but definitely not first stage of you know relationship where you go back to like trying to screw each other and I was like oh no and one of my homegirls asked me that recently, like, you know, you don't miss the intimacy I have. I said, I miss the intimacy without sex that we had. I'm a cuddler. I'm a hugger. I'm a toucher. I'm a rubber. I just like skin to skin. And when we broke up and I was back to being by myself, I would say, I felt it. I felt the loneliness of my bed. I felt the loneliness of my space. I felt the need for that touch. But I knew as soon as I invite you into my bubble, we were going to go right back into this vicious cycle of not being together, giving our children mixed, you know, mixed views of what happened and us just kind of screwing mindlessly. And I always say, you know, it's a very fine line. You walk those first six to eight months maybe even a year after y'all break up where I say whoever left 
feels very vulnerable. And you feel very vulnerable because you miss those moments where you feel very desperate for that intimacy. And you feel very desperate for that touch of your partner. Or you start feeling real lonely. Worst thing you could do. Worst thing you can do. I always say the best thing you can do after a breakup is learn how to communicate again. I've learned, especially because my ex was an Aries and a hothead and a verbal kind of abusive kind of guy, that you literally go through the phase of learning how to talk to each other again. And one of the biggest things I took into key for me and my conversation is not allowing him to get me angry because we're not together we don't live together and I don't have to deal with the conversation so a lot of times when we had those initial arguments or little spits and spats whatever here and there I just stopped responding I stopped giving him fuel to the fire as my mom would call it because she's like as soon as you entertain the argument they get you whether it's with your child, when you see your child get upset and get angry and you start screaming and yelling, you don't help the situation, you make it worse. It's antagonizing, it's it's enticing, it's hard to switch up. And I myself know for a fact that I'm a person who don't like to argue, but an argument starter will get me right back in that cycle of arguing and I I'm like no you can't fall into that trap and one of the biggest tricks you can learn is the word okay or simply k I stopped entertaining arguments fights fusses complaints anything my ex-partner had to say with a simple okay or no response because I realized two things I don't have to see you And I don't have to entertain it anymore. I don't have a reason to fight with you anymore because at the end of the day, we're no longer together. So however you feel, however angry you may want to, you know, act or however you may want to show off and make me come out of character, I don't have to anymore. Because again, we're not together. So I don't have any ties to make me feel like I need to prove my right or I need to have the last word or I need to you know, clear up any misconceptions, none of that. But sex, sex is a thing that comes very easy when couples first break up, especially when you have children, because you start feeling like the familiarity of it makes it super, super, super easy to immediately go into, well, I don't really want to have sex with anybody else. And I got used to having sex with this person. I used to having unprotected um, sex with this person. And if you're not like me, like my, my ex-partner had a vasectomy after we had my daughter. And, you know, you, you don't have the issue of like, oh, well, we need to use a condom or we need to be protected because ain't no way you having a kid. So it becomes very carefree. But what I realized was, like, as much as my ex would try to entice, you know, us being intimate again or some kind of intimacy, I would dead the conversation. Even if I maybe even, like, I wouldn't say initiated, but even entertained it in some sense, I would dead it before it got any further than just one or two texts or one or two sentences. Because I knew the end result I would not like because that moment of feeling lonely and vulnerable will go away. 
I knew that I would take time to have a glass of wine or take a hot shower or smoke whatever and I would feel comfortable again even if I was still in my feelings I didn't have that initial urge to literally feel like oh, I'm gonna just call them and tell them to come over and it doesn't get easier it only becomes more apparent I'll say and the reason I say more apparent because what I can say from my own experience is that when you stop fighting and you become friends again, when you can actually have a conversation and joke and, you know, talk like normal people instead of being in a relationship where you're fussing and fighting and screaming and yelling, you start realizing why you loved that person before. And I'm not saying don't ever get back with your ex because if that's your journey, baby, take that journey. I myself know that journey is not a journey I'm willing to go back and try over. And I remember when me and my ex first got together, my mom was like, oh, you know, I, I know you were saying the ex pre, you know, prior to him wants to get back. Like, why don't you give him a second chance? I said, you know what? I'd rather risk it all to try something new than to go back to something where I know what it's like to be with that person and it may sound fucked up because my mom was like that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard you don't like giving out second chances I said we've given second third fourth fifth sixth chances when you're together I said you go through all these times where you break up in the relationship without officially breaking up and you go through all these moments of you know kissing and figuring out and working it out and the only difference now is that you publicly have broken up or you publicly have said you're done and you're not together you're not living together you're not whatever and now you have to you know publicly address things that you feel almost like okay now we're really broken up so now everybody thinks oh you're one and done oh you did your due diligence or oh you said your peace I myself was like I, I can't do that no more I can't give another chance when I've given 20 and I've worked it out, prayed it out, asked for whatever forgiveness or tried to fix whatever problem we thought we had to try to make it work when we had that opportunity that I'm not going to wait now until I'm in my personal space and my own, you know, solitude to then invite the monster back in the room. I always say, you know, I, I, I'm not on drugs, so I don't make bad decisions that I have to regret later. And I always feel like, you know, if you feel like you're not going to regret it, sure. But you know for a fact, you entice that beast, and that beast comes back into your life, you can't be mad that they did the same thing over. I don't want anyone to misconstrue my words and say, oh, well, you know, me and my ex broke up and I moved out, but, you know, we just needed time apart. Go ahead. Do what you feel is right for the relationship that you were in. I myself know for a fact that if I even entertained the thought of us getting back together, I know what I'm getting myself into, especially being with a narcissist. I know it's not good for my child to then be exposed to this phony, fake, real sweet in the beginning, sour patch ass kid relationship where she's exposed to us being all happy and loving and great just for us to turn around and be fighting and miserable right again. When I could have just enjoyed my solitude, meet someone else, start over and, you know, try again, you know, next time. It may sound scary and I always, you know, laugh because my homegirl's like, I don't know how you just don't want to try again. I say, girl, I've tried. And if I know for a fact that this ain't the journey I want to go on, 
no sweet talks that you're going to give me now going to make me change my mind. I know the version of you that will you will turn into. I know in two months' time, you ain't magically turned into some brand new man. I know in five, six months' time, your whole life has not changed so much where you realize the value of what you had when we were together for years. And sometimes the things that you thought, you know, weren't so important or how can I say the things that other people pointed out about your ex that you may have overlooked are now so blatantly in your face that it's like if I really want to get back with this person I have to realize I'm going to go back into the same cycle of this person because it takes time real time years time passing time loss of communication and loss of closeness with that person before they really value your absence people always make it seem like well I don't want to lose that spark or I feel like you know we just needed a little bit of time if that's all you thought you needed baby don't move out don't start over don't try to engage in such a way where you make such a big dramatic you know exit just to be like creaking through the back door no I'm not sneaking with nobody I've already been with. I'm not hiding what, you know, I felt and why I left. Because the worst part about breaking up and having children is children don't forget. Your parents, I always say, I remember finding out my parents were getting divorced because my mom was on a phone call with one of her friends. And I picked up this one. We had a house phone. I picked up one of the other lines and heard her talking about it. And I completely being the bold and boastful child that I was confronted her. And they gave me the whole, no, we're not getting divorced. No, mommy, daddy loves you. And no, mommy, daddy are doing this. And not even a year later, my parents were divorced. And seeing my parents argue, fuss, fight, us living in the same house and they literally leaving in separate cars and us deciding which parent we wanted to ride with or having those moments of watching my parents cry and argue and call each other bad names. Things that as a grown person, my parents have been divorced probably close to 20. I would say at least almost 20 years. And I was like 13 when my parents got divorced. I'm 30, I'll be 31. So closer to, you know, two decades of my parents not being together. I I know for a fact, I remember those moments that made me go, hmm, interesting. You know, seeing those vulnerable moments of my parents maybe not knowing or not realizing little eyes was watching them that it was best that my parents weren't together don't make decisions for the better of the child because I always say that's the worst worst plan most parents take on it's oh I didn't want to you know ruin our family baby you think your child wants to be in a household where all y'all do is scream and fuss and fight or where y'all hate each other that y'all say such nasty negative angry things or that y'all get into such a space and a place where the ugly side is all that we can remember. I realize looking back now as a child, my parents were like the perfect people and seeing them really happy with their, you know, other significant others after their breakup was the best version of them. Seeing my mom happy and joyful and boastful, you know, excited and not sick every other week or seeing my father with somebody who makes him happy and he can travel with and he can enjoy. It may not be who I want them to be with. And as a child, you selfishly project that 
I just want my mom or I just want you back with mommy. But you don't understand. Your parents are very much human. Very much real people. Very much normal people. So as soon as you as a child project those things, your parents have probably already thought about what they were going to do or if they could try again or if they really put up the good fight to be together. And they've done it. Most people who divorce or break up when they have children and make a what I call a leap of faith and go and do them or get up and say we're moving out have gotten down to a point where conversation and talking and therapy is not a is not a realistic thing. Now I'm not saying every parent because I've seen people who broke up, divorced, and then literally years later down the road get back together. Cool. My mom was one of them. My mother married her two loves in her life and she married she got married three times and people were like how is that physically possible my mom and my stepfather got married before she got married to my father when she was really young he had a child out on their relationship she divorced them and then got back with my father well got with well I would say get back because they were childhood sweethearts so she got back with him got decided to get married have children broke up with him divorced him and then remarried the first man she loved and I said you know that's not a normal thing for people that's not a normal act of normal normalcy you know what I mean so when you find people who are like oh I just needed time to really cool I'm not knocking it I'm trying you know to make you feel bad if you feel like that man or that woman was a perfect mate for you they just needed time to grow up or change or really seek help for themselves great I don't think that happens in five months. I don't think that happens in six months. I don't even think that happens in a year. I feel like the reality of how how much we give in a relationship and really realistically can say we try, when you really get to a point of like, oh, you know, things really have to be with us in separate spaces, it's very hard to then turn the other cheek six months down the road. And when you know for a fact, like, oh my goodness, this is what we all need, a lot of the decisions we make come with backbone and reasoning. And it ain't just because we think, oh, he was just the best lover. Most of the time, it ain't about the sex with intimacy. You want to be with this person because you loved how they made you feel. You loved how they way they they helped, they guided, they you know they were the perfect partner or they were such a good partner and that you both were tarnished and broken through the things that you went through prior to them that now that y'all had time to heal and rebuild yourself you can go and be with somebody but that's a you know a 30 percent chance most people who break up after you know having a child and being with somebody they go on to find a person who really was what they thought they needed and especially when you're young I always say you know you make the worst decisions before 30 (laughs) you kind of learn how to pick more more in-depth reasoning to be with somebody than just the looks I remember when I was a kid I wrote this long list of traits about the man of my dream and I would say hmm, how can I say I would say 60% of it (laughs) was physical 
and physical meaning like tall, brown skin, tattoos, pretty teeth, like it was all physical stuff, right? And then the rest was like, he had to be nice, he had to make me laugh, he had to be this, he had to be that. And I laughed because I'm like, it should have been the other way around. It should have been, he needs to be empathetic. He needs to be understanding. He has to know how to communicate, how to communicate empathetically. He needs to know how to read the room. He needs to know how to talk and deal with my family. He needs to know how to be a family man. He needs to know how to show love and compassion even when I can't. He needs to be able to be a provider and knows what it takes to be a provider. He needs to know what it's like to have support and to be supportful. Like those things are all more important than if he's tall, dark, and handsome. But again, our best decisions are probably before we're 30. And I laugh because all of my friends now are like in a relationship or budding on a new relationship. And I'm like, these motherfuckers done figured it out. Because here I was, ready for marriage in my mind. And I was probably the furthest thing from it. I was with somebody who I thought knew how to be a partner and instead needs more time learning how to be themselves. I was with somebody who thought they knew what it took to be a husband but didn't know how to be a boyfriend. I was with somebody who thought they know what the best traits to be a parent and they really are still learning. And not to say people are bad people, you should never give them time to grow, but you have to grow with someone who knows what it's like to water your plant just as much as you water theirs. I think humans as people are forever evolving and definitely we are more close to plants in the sense of like, we always need to be nurtured, watered, and protected. And if you see people who love plants, they're probably one of the better people to be in a relationship or have a friendship or be connected to because they know what it takes, especially if their plants are living and thriving. Now, if you got a bunch of dead plants, hmm, they got a bunch of plastic plants, even worse. But what you learn is if they have the time to have this little budding plant turn into this full-grown, you know, blossoming tree, they know what it takes to get there. They know the time and the patience and the love and the nurturing and the caring for and the consistency. Let me tell you. That's probably one of my favorite words as an adult is consistency. It's not something you take into consideration young. And you're like, oh, I just need some type of stability. But consistency, someone who knows how to consistently be the best version of themselves. Someone who's fighting to be consistently the best version of themselves. Someone who is consistently always, they always say, you know, ask old people, you know, how they stay married, right? And I remember when I was working at um, a deli, an older black woman, beautiful wedding ring. And I was giving her her you know, her food. And I said, can I ask you something? She was like, sure, baby. You know, absolutely. I said, how long have you been married? She was like, oh, we've been married almost, you know, 40 years. And I was like, what? People don't stay married like that. She was like, let me tell you, it's been a journey. And I said, can I ask you, you know, how did you, how did you make it work? Or how did you know, or, you know, make your marriage be successful? And she goes, we share everything. She said, we share the good, the bad, and our food. We learned how to be consistently always in love and dating each other. And I laugh because I'm like, 
simplest things you could think of. Consistency. Whether it be consistency in your child's life, where they're always going to be a parent, whether it's consistency in how they love, nurture, and care for you, whether it's consistency in how they communicate and talk to you. I'm a big communicator, right? And I feel like that's probably my biggest downfall with dating is like I'm so used to one trait that my ex had is that he was consistent. Good, bad, or indifferent. Very consistent. And I, I, I had that same urge to want from other men. Is like, I'm used to a person who talks to me every day. I'm used to a person who calls every day. I'm used to a person who texts every day. So when you don't or you can't, that's problematic for me. That's triggering for me. Because I don't know what it's like to not have somebody who wants to text or call me every day. Or who wants to, you know, see me more often than not. And... Dealing with somebody who, one of the biggest things I, I put in my my journey of list of things that I want is someone who is consistent. And consistency of love, nurturing, conversation, communication, and dating are probably my biggest takeaways with consistency because those are things that build a strong, happy, healthy, and long-lasting relationship. And you want the same thing for your child. You want your child to know what it is to consistently have that parent in their life. To consistently feel loved, taken care of, and always, always having someone there for you. My mom always says, it's not the people who want to celebrate your birthday, but the people who always show up. I have a real core group of girlfriends who I always say, you know, last year was probably the hardest year to celebrate my birthday and I was turning 30. And my friends were like, girl, I'm happy we got to surprise you and you really were surprised. Like you cried, you were happy, you were joyful, you were all the things you needed to be because you really didn't want to celebrate. And we knew. I said, oh, I kept telling people, I don't want to do anything for my birthday. And I was baffled with how many surprises my family and friends, you know, got me with because my family surprised me with a trip. My friends surprised me with dinner and parties. And I was so excited. My friends were like, well, you know, your ex was trying to plan something for you, but I think he knew you were really leaving the the relationship that he kind of just stopped and I said you know what I said because he knew that party wasn't gonna happen because by the time the plans would have had to be in motion that literally it would have been too late and I was like you know I'm a big person on birthdays I love celebrating people my homegirl's birthday came, and she was like, I don't really want to do nothing. We still went out, partied, had a good time, and celebrated. And I wanted her to feel love because having people celebrate you is the best part of your birthday. And having someone to, that wants to do it for you makes more of a difference than anything else. And I always make it a big factor to know, let my friends know, like, you are loved, you are cared about, people want to celebrate you, you are not a mistake, you are not forgotten, all of those things. And those are big things to teach your children because, you know, I always laugh when parents say, well, my daughter's going to have a party at school with all her classmates. I'm like, are those even her friends? When it comes to my daughter and her birthday and celebrating her and her joyous times and momentous occasions, I invite people who continually want to be involved, who continually want to invest time and energy. Because at the end of the day, those are the people that are going to be there for her entire life. I'm a grown person who have two godparents who live in the same state as me, and I only see one of them. And it used to bother me, 
but I learned that having that consistency brings peace in my life and my mother made me feel like that that's the those are the people that matter you don't pick godparents for your child just based off of the fact that they're your besties I pick consistency I pick the love and the nurturing and the caring and the always there no matter what kind of people who want to ride or die with my kid and me good bad or indifferent I always say, you know, it's good to have that village. Because people say, oh, it don't, take, it don't take a village. If that's how you feel, baby, then ride that horse till the wheels fall off. But when I needed my friends and family, they were there. When my when I had no one to keep my kids, even though her father was living with us, and I had to pay babysitters or have babysitters or have people keep my kids just so I could maintain, those are people I'll never forget. Those are the people who, no matter what, I look out for her godmother that lives in the same state as us. I always laugh because she always goes, you always make sure you get me flowers from my brother. I said, flowers are the best thing to give when people are living. People only want to give you flowers when you're dead. And you can't appreciate that. I give flowers because women love flowers. And flowers are a blossoming, joyous, beautiful gift. Even if you if you ain't got nothing but $5, they sell flowers on the side of the road for $5. They bring flowers in the club. And I always used to think that was so crazy. Like, why are they bringing flowers in the club for people to buy? But it's that one beautiful, inexpensive thing that can show somebody cares. And I always laugh when you see the people give their mate, like, they'll buy the whole bouquet off the dude, and they give it to him. I say, because that's the one thing they know. Once you leave this club, and after this party is over, and you walk out of here with an arm full of flowers, you feel more special and important than the girl who got a bottle and a section paid for, okay? That's why rich people still give each other gifts if gifts aren't important cool but for most people gifts are a big big you know um sign of love and affection and if you don't know how to give you best believe people are only going to take a little bit of what you take and i'm i'm a big fan of showing love when it's least expected whether it be flowers, candy, money, small little just because, whatever. I always laugh because my daughter's got mom always be like, oh, I cooked and I got extra. I'm going to send some with her when you come pick her up. Well, hey, I know you're going to appreciate this. So I made sure I thought of you. And I'm like, man, you know, having people think of you when you don't even think of yourself, even if it's something small, is probably the best gift people can give you without even thinking of. So to kind of sum up this very, uh, what I would call, jagged (laughs) episode, because we we touched on a lot of points, I'm ending with my top three things you, as a parent, listening to this podcast should take away, show consistency, show love, and never be a fool twice. Because when you play the fool once, shame on you. You play the fool twice. You just play the fool. <laughs> because we all make that same mistake once, but making it twice is like, come on. So make the best decision. Because guess what? Little eyes is always watching, little ears are always listening. So if you can't be the best version of yourself, at least take it till you make it. Do what you got to do. And show love as much as possible. Show love even when it hurts. Show love even when it's fake. And even when you want to cry, never let your kids see you cry. 
never let them see the dark side of a, of a, of a version of you that they don't need to see. I appreciate you for listening, and I'm out.